Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. As the Nationals are struck away from franchise history and some World Series history. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Oh, oh, great crossover. Got Just left Fournier. <laughs> hey, that's called getting put on skates. Down to two, down to one, and the Washington football team with the upset in Pittsburgh, handing the Steelers their first loss of the season, coming back from 14-0 down. What a win. The show by the fans for the fans. Covering all four major sports in the District of Champions. It's the DC Crossover Podcast with your hosts, Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson. Hello and welcome to the DC Crossover, episode number 110 which is still crazy to think about. 110 episodes is nuts. That is Mike Cerrone. I am Ben still Simpson. Here. Glad still to have here. you with us. Uh, <laughs> yes, we are still around uh, on all your podcast platforms, as well as the Contender app. That's Contender with a K. You can download that app. It is completely free. You can hear Mike and I's show, as well as others. And with the Caps postseason here, hopefully we'll be hopping on a postgame show. We don't know for sure. Uh, waiting for anybody to contact us uh, from the from the contender, uh, but you can follow follow the show on Twitter at the DC Crossover and at Cerrone sixteen. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot going on on today's episode. We are diving into the Commanders draft. We're talking with Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times Dispatch, uh, and we've been just churning out. The interviews here, Mike's been doing, uh, talked to Andrew Gillis, talked to Mitch Tischler, now we've got Michael Phillips. We're a man of, of the people right now, Mike. We're men of the people. We're, we're talking to everybody, getting everybody's opinions, everybody on the air. We're, you know, th- these are all people that are giving us their time, thankfully, because uh, you know, they all have bigger platforms than we do. But they're, I mean, so far, I feel like we're knocking out, out of the park with these interviews. Yeah, honestly, you know, we've done interviews in the past, and... Uh... The best part is, is that now I'm contacting people and they're saying yes, like immediately. I mean, right, <laughs> before, right. you know, you say 110 episodes. Okay. We did have a little hiatus and, and, you know, we kind of skipped around a little bit, uh, in the sense of, sure. you know, we had COVID and we had this and we had that and all that kind of stuff, whatever. But 
you know, we've been doing this for like, I mean, you say 110 episodes. Like 10 uh, years. We have 110 episodes of the DC crossover. But then when you look at the first pick, uh, you know, you look at um, uh, what's what was my show called back in the day? I'm I'm like so old now. I'm forgetting it. Man, what was it? Was on Radford Free Radio. Yeah, it was Radio, whatever, but Radio Free Radford dot com or whatever. Yeah, and I remember calling into that one and doing some spots with you. What, yeah, what the hell was it called? <laughs> I don't even know. Jeez, uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 dude. Greatest show in Radford Radio history. Yeah, and you can't yeah, yeah they actually, everyone thought I was like a professional there and stuff like that. And I'm just like, all right, guys, let's be honest here. Um, <laughs> you just knew how to work a mixer, and suddenly you become like, <laughs> you know, Rick Rubin recording Kanye West. I mean, like you become like just super famous. Or <laughs> I'm sitting, it's crazy. I'm sitting there, and they, they were like, oh yeah, like I kept giving like suggestions. They're like, yeah, 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 we're, we're looking to buy in that. We're looking to buy. Oh, it was it was terrible. But you're looking at it, my show, your show, our the last two or three iterations of this show. Uh, you know, the, the best part about it is, is that we've had probably over 250, 300 episodes. Okay. And oh yeah, for those like first 150 or whatever it was, you know, we contacted a few different people here and there and stuff like that. And a lot of them would never get back to you. And some people were like, I don't have time for this, you know, and stuff like, why are you responding to me if you don't have time for it? But you know, I, I've contacted a lot of different people. And the funny thing was, is that, you know, Michael Phillips, Mitch Tischler, Andrew Gillis, like all these guys are just like, yeah, I'm down, man. Whenever you want, whenever, blah blah blah. Like, right, right. I think it's because when you see certain people that are higher profile and everything like that, you, like I said, they go out there and they're like thinking, oh, well, you know, I have a platform, stuff like that. If someone asks me to do something, maybe I'll. Now, I don't think that they're actually going back and looking at our stuff. Let's be honest here. Oh yeah, I wouldn't. I, but but I, I wouldn't quiz them. Yeah, or but anything. I think that what they're doing is like I'm trying to act professional and say like, hey, you know, oh, we, we we want you for your time and stuff like that. And and if, yeah, if, yeah. if it's okay if you say no, if it's, it's you know, we're just, I'm just being professional. Yeah, no pressure. But it, I'm no not pressure. sitting there yeah. saying, yo, Michael, what's up, man? Like, hey, man, I'm, I'm trying right. to record something. You down to do something? Like, I'm I'm, de- I'm being a <laughs> professional. So it's like no, I'd love if you pitched it. Yeah, that'd yeah, be great. Uh, but uh, yeah, we we definitely thank these and guys. And now that we got more and more and more names, you know, more and more names, then you when you pitch to the next person, you say, "Hey, we've had Mitch Tischler and Michael Phillips and Chase Hughes and yeah. all these guys," and uh, you know that that helps Michael Jenkins, like all those guys. It helps you go get the next guy, and all these people have been awesome. I mean, definitely. Ever, I, I'd say uh, for this show, I can't think of anybody that we've had that's come on and it's been like, well, there was the bracket guy. <laughs> I don't remember his name, I do. so I can't make fun of him. I remember I exactly okay, what his name don't is. Don't say it. Well, don't say it. But we did have a... For those who are longtime listeners, in one of the early episodes of this show, you can go back and listen to it. We had a bracketologist guy on to talk about the bracket, and he went through every single pick and matchup. And it was it was probably the most boring radio in the history of the world because it was like 45 minutes of this guy just going through every single pick offering like a little bit of analysis on every single one but it was but he talked in such a monotone and i feel like he was just so boring and it was just like i mean i was sitting there in mike's apartment at the time <laughs> and he and i were looking at each other like we're we're only five picks in <laughs> and we got the rest of the bracket to go and this is already putting a putting us to sleep and we're the one talking to the guy 
we were laughing on the side because we were like, this is so bad. That was probably the worst one we've ever done. <laughs> Besides that, there was really there hasn't really been any horror stories, thank yeah. God. I mean, the, not not in the bad side, on the good side, we did have back in the day in the in at WGMU, we had Martinez Jackson from like hoops, hardwood hoops yeah. or whatever. Remember he would just come in and we would just talk basketball for like an hour <laughs> and then they would leave. Like I don't even know what they were promoting. Yeah, me they either. just talked about like the NBA for an hour. And then they would let then they yeah, left. That that uh that, that bracketologist, I'll tell you his name out there, but the funny thing about it was is that we sat there and like you mentioned we're like five picks in, and we looked at the time. We're like, all right, we spent 15 minutes. And the, the best part about it was, like, he was, like, breaking down, like, 116 games like, like it was, like, the, the yeah. NBA championship. Like, dude, you don't have to do this, man. Like, we don't need to know them this much about, like, Cal Poly. Like, we don't need to know, like, this. You don't need to give us the, the analysis on the sixth guy off the bench for, St. Peter's know, uh, IUPI. Like, what are we doing here? Uh, oh God, yeah, was, that, that, that it guy, it was a little, but yeah, that, yeah. When we were at rough. WGMU that, uh, yeah, we had the hardwood insiders and stuff like that. And, and like you said, we were like sitting there talking like NBA and they just sat there and they were just like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, whoever at the time, Paul Pierce or who, I mean, whoever was playing with them right, at the time, right, right. you know, and then we were just like, all right, thanks for stopping in guys. <laughs> we, yeah. They just like came into a college radio station to talk basketball for an hour and then like, and then left. And it's like, we didn't really do anything for them. They didn't really do anything for us. We just talked basketball. I mean, one of the guys ended up going to Secaucus and working the replay center or something for NBA. Wow. I feel like they, cause there were two guys. Yeah. And then now, now Martinez is like a lawyer. I, I follow, I still am friends with him on social media. It's like, all right, well that was, that was something. Yeah. <laughs> thanks but a that, lot. Uh, but yeah, but we had Michael Phillips on today. We'll obviously we'll get to that in a bit, and that that was great. I mean, Mike, Michael right. was awesome, and uh, everybody's been awesome. And and if, so, if you haven't already gone back to listen, you can actually listen to separate uh, episodes of just the interviews that Mike did with Mitch Tischler, um, and that was like the pre-draft info. And then we've got Michael Phillips, which is kind of the post-draft analysis, and then Andrew Gillis talking about the Caps, whose playoff uh, series starts this week, starts tomorrow as we record this. Um, so you got a lot of separate interviews you can listen to, and you can listen to those completely separate and watch the YouTube videos completely separate from the main episode. And we'll be doing that with Michael Phillips as well. You can go uh, watch the, the, the video separately from, from the full episode video. So a lot, a lot of content. I do want to know about your golf simulator experience, yep. Mike, but we may have to save that for next week because we got a lot to get to here uh, on this episode. Um, but it, I'm glad that you're back from Pittsburgh for sure for those. Put it in the bank. Know Mike's been traveling. Put it in the bank. You, you've, been tra you've been traveling, it feels like, every single weekend. You might as well be a, a Pittsburgh Pirate fan at this <laughs> point. I mean, you're going back and forth. Uh, you're, you're. I mean, I'd say I'd venture to say you're more of a Pens fan than a Caps fan at this point, Mike. I mean, with how much time you're spending in, in Pittsburgh. No, I mean, I, we had to go up there uh, two weekends over the last three uh and it, it's been it's it's been i mean it's been fine once you get there it's fine but sure. the problem is oh, yeah, the yeah. drive just sucks so getting there, i said i said I, <laughs> I said the funniest thing was is i literally on friday afternoon because i left after work i turned on hulu around maybe an hour and a half left or so because i was literally counting down to the minutes for the second round of the draft <laughs> so i sat there right, put it on right. my little dash like kind of area that i can like, actually put the phone Plugged it into my uh, car, and I had the draft <laughs> playing live TV. Nice. You know, Hulu has live sports, uh, and uh, I ended <laughs> I go. ended up uh, sponsor of the show. Uh, not really, but anyways, I had them on my dash. I sat there for the last hour, hour and a half, and I was like, "This is my saving grace," because it yeah. was it, it was such a long drive, especially going up there. It's it's even longer because it just feels like it's never ending. But the one coming back 
There must have been. I mean, it was raining. It was like a freaking you know, Poseidon is, was Monsoon. out there. You know, Aquaman yeah. was was swimming next to me, and sure. it was not Amber Heard though. Uh, but uh, you're <laughs> you're looking at it. Not a friend. Yeah, of the not show. a friend of the show. And the the best part about it was is that every single time you see a truck, they, there's just a line of trucks, and they just never move. And then they always had that one truck that just gets in the left lane. They're like, I'm going to pass this guy at some point. And you're, you're no, just like, terrible. dude, you got to do something, man. And it was, no, it was, I and actually, it. I actually got back pretty, pretty quickly because we caravaned, even though Jess left me in the dust for some reason. Um, I was like, are you going to caravan with me or are you just like, yeah, that's not, that's not a caravan. That's a race. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. yeah. And then, so I ended up getting back in decent time, but it was, it felt like forever just because of the sole fact that there were so many trucks and it was raining and I already got a ticket on I-70 because of the stupid, uh, uh, uh one time that I, th- I think I told you this, where like it was like an F one fifty and it was like a construction zone, and it like flashed at me, and I was like, "Well, I guess that was a ticket," and I got one in the mail a month later, but it was a warning ticket. It wasn't a oh okay. yeah. Eh, well, I don't want to get a second one, Throw so I'm sitting trash. there going not. Eh, who cares? I'm going nine Screw over the man. Well, seventy seventy dollars. I ain't getting that again. So uh, yeah, well, yeah, I said, I I, do "Well, do do me a favor. Just tell Jess's family that a little thing called Zoom exists. <laughs> you don't have to go up there for all these events. Facetime, Zoom." It's all the same thing. It's just seeing your face. I got something uh, funny to tell you, but I got to get... tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get into the rewind here. Uh, a lot to talk about from the previous week in D.C. sports. We'll start with the Washington Nationals, who are 8-16, last place in the NL East. Uh, another kind of a little bit of an up-and-down week. It started down for sure, losing to the Marlins on Tuesday, 5-2. to two. Nats get a couple runners burned at the plate. Uh, Josiah Gray, decent outing, five and two-thirds, allowing four earned runs. But the big number, 10 Ks on the day. Love that. Wednesday, another loss to the Marlins, 2-1. to one. Uh, Pablo Lopez was just dealing for the Marlins this season. He had another great game, six innings, no earned runs. His ERA is sub-1 right now. I think it's like... 0.56 or something. It's crazy. Uh, Eric Fetty, not quite as good, but not that bad. Uh, gave up two runs. Decent outing for him. And then Thursday completed the sweep, losing to Miami 3-2. to two. Eighth straight loss at the time. Uh, Corby throws six innings, allows two earned runs. Now we get to kind of a fun series. Uh, playing at the Giants on Friday, beating them 14-4. to four. I mean, this was one of those scores where going into the night, I was like, there's no chance they're going to win here. And I think this was a late one, like a 10 p.m. start, so I was like, I'm not watching a minute of this. <laughs> Wake up the next morning and find out 14 runs. Uh, Juan Soto hit a bomb. Nats get 22 hits on the day, uh, which is nuts. Saturday uh, goes the other way, loses uh, five, uh, 9-3. to three. Uh, Joanna Doan gets the loss, goes four innings, allows four earned runs. And then yesterday, Sunday, as we record this, I watched this one uh, beating the Giants 11-5. to five. This was 8 nothing at one point, and then the Giants put across like five or six unanswered. It was getting crazy. But Josiah Gray, great outing from him. Six innings, no earned runs, three Ks. Yadiel Hernandez with five RBI and Juan Soto with Three hits on the day. And that brings Josiah Gray's ERA to, let's see, 2022 Nats. 3-1-2? That sounds right. Let's see. We are at ERA 3-1-2. There you go, which is, I mean, that's awesome. Way to go, Josiah Gray. He's killing it. Uh, let's get into the Caps, Mike, with their final regular season games here. So the Caps finished at 44-26-12. Not the best finale, uh, let's be honest here. They lost four straight if you date it back to the previous week with the Leafs loss. Um, But the biggest thing was 
is Ovi hurt? We were already clinching the playoffs. We didn't really care because of the sole fact that, yes, you know, we possibly, possibly could have won one of these games because the Pens did lose on Tuesday. They did win on Thursday, though. Um, but the biggest thing, or excuse me, on Friday, the biggest thing about it was when you're looking at these three games, was it was more like a tune-up. It wasn't really like, oh, we're going to go out there, guns a-blazing. So on two, on Tuesday, they lost to the Islanders 4-1. to one, Had a chance to move up in the standings. Didn't happen. They blew in a one nothing lead. Sam Sonoff allowed four goals on 26 shots. Not a great outing for him. Thursday, they lost to the Islanders again 5-1, to one, so nine goals let up, uh, which is not a good sign. Vitek Vanacek with 21 saves in that one. On Friday, they lost to New York. Three to two, I believe they were up two to one at one point. Uh, and and Ovi, you saw the video online that he was taunting the fans, all that kind of stuff. Uh, with the, with the right. loss, the Caps catch the second wild card spot, so not that big of a deal. They've been in the second wild wild card spot forever now. Uh, and the Rangers with 52 wins is the second most in team history. Uh, so that's pretty crazy. Sam Sonoff had 30 saves in that one, so that's pretty good. A uh, little last outing for him. But overall, the Caps are playing the Panthers starting tomorrow. We'll get into that here in a little bit. Moving on to DC United. Yeah, I got my DC United hat on. Uh, I'm ready for Saturday where I'll be seeing them take on Houston Dynamo with my all-inclusive food and drink seats. Can't so I wait. Will definitely be reporting how that goes. Uh, but DC United, unfortunately, has just been playing like garbage. Um, they lost again, this time to Columbus 3 nothing. Really couldn't do anything from the start of the game. Their one shot was uh, in the 20th minute. They had a really great look where Ola Kamara hits the right post, and he had a wide-open net basically to shoot from. Uh, missed that, and they lose 3-0. So kind of an ugly one there. So they're, they've won three times. They've lost five. They haven't had any draws yet, which is kind of weird because I feel like in soccer there's draws all the time, and the fact that this team hasn't had a single draw yet is kind of crazy. Um, so, yes, they will be playing Saturday at 7.30 p.m. against Houston Dynamo. If you want to watch the game on NBC Sports Washington and look out for your boy, I'll be wearing this D.C. United hat, and I'll be wearing my black D.C. United shirt, and I'll be drinking a lot of alcohol. So uh, look out for me on your TV. Uh, that is it for the Rewind as we hey, take it, By things. the way, the MLS yeah. have, they have like the best names. Like Houston they Dynamo do. and like Columbus Crew. There's some solid names in there. Se- Seattle, yeah. Sounders. Yeah. Yeah, Seattle Sounders. Yeah, Seattle Sounders. Portland Timbers. The, 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 the Timbers. They're owned by Pitbull. Timber. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, and some of the jerseys are pretty cool. I mean, what was it? They just so they just played New England Revolution, which is kind of a cool name. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, there's. I mean, again, MLS is a good product. They just, uh, you know, you just gotta watch. Gotta watch the games, everybody. <laughs> um, let's get into some football. We are the so as we mentioned, we are going to uh, let you in on our conversation with Michael Phillips from Richmond Times Dispatch in a moment. Before we get to that, though, uh, I did want to just get our 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 own brief reactions before we get Michael's reaction to the draft. And, um, you know, this, now that we've had a few days to digest it, Mike, uh, you know, we, we will get Michael's grade on it later, but I'm curious on your grade for, and, and I'll give mine as well, your grade for the commanders and how they did in this draft. So starting out, uh, obviously you're going to hear the Michael Phillips interview and some of my thoughts in there, but just initially, my grade would be a C, just a flat C, because I did uh, like the Dotson pick. Now, yep. I, everyone was saying for you know weeks, you know, I don't think they're going to be able to trade back. I don't think this. I don't think that. They ended up getting traded back, or they ended up trading back, and I was like, man, that's actually a really decent trade. 
the problem was that there was two trades immediately after that that they ended up taking like receivers basically. Um, so that was unfortunate because we did have chances to get other wide receivers, but I still like Dotson because I think they are dead set on Terry McLaurin being the number one guy. I think that they are saying we're not trying to have a one A one a one one A type thing. We want a one and a number two and a number two. We want those two guys. We know Terry McLaurin's going to get this deal. We know that everything's going to happen uh, with him uh, smoothly. We know that he's a great guy. We know he's a great player. We're going to get a guy that's going to compliment him, uh, and that's the biggest thing. Is I think that that actually worked out really well, and I think that honestly uh, the Dotson pick was great, but the, the second round pick. You know, Mathis was not a great pick. It was not. It's been leaving everybody uh, scratching their heads saying, what? Why? And and that's the funny thing right. is because I've always said it for, you know, the last, you know, few years, Ben, that honestly, you have needs and then you have immediate needs. So every team is going to have needs. Even the Patriots, even the, the Rams, everyone has needs. Okay. The Bengals who made the playoffs, uh, you know, or made the Super Bowl, I should say. Everyone has needs, but those immediate needs are the ones that change the, the football club the most. And that's the problem is the secondary needed help. Landon Collins isn't on the team anymore. Uh, Cam Curl is back, basically back there by himself with uh, some, you know, I guess you could say secondary players, uh, you know, quote unquote secondary players, uh, you know, on the roster that are back there with him. And, and the, the problem is, is we had some, some issues with the cornerback spot last year. But they go defensive tackle because, as I said before, they got scared. They said Deron Payne's leaving. I mean, we had three or four guys basically leave our defensive front that everyone said was one of the best in football last year uh, on paper. Right. So when you see that, I think they got scared and they ended up saying, "All right, we're going to go and you know get a defensive tackle and you know everything's going to be all right." Like, no, you have to go and get those immediate needs. When you look at the bubbles on the ESPN app and and CBS app and all these things that say like. You know, what is this team's needs? It says like wide receiver, secondary, these kind of things, like position groups. Every single time a team makes a pick, they fill it in if that's one of the needs. And after like the third round, we had three picks and one bubble filled in, which made no sense. I'm like, you're, you're getting a running back. I was like, you can find running backs, but running back wasn't a huge need of ours. That was a strength of our team last year. So it's like, I just don't get it. So I'm going to go with a flat-out C. Uh, and by the way, there's news out uh, that just came out a few hours ago. That Trey Turner, the other Trey Turner, uh, right, is, is signed yeah. by the Commanders. Uh, and he's a five-time Pro Bowler under Rivera. So that's another piece to add to the offensive line, which is really good. He uh, split time last year with the Steelers playing guard and center. So that's actually a really good pickup. Uh, so that's another good thing about the offensive line is that they actually uh, uh, you know, basically bolstered that front a little bit as well after losing uh, Sheriff. But I'm going to go with the flat C because I do like the Sam Howell pick. Very late. Very good value for that. Yeah. Uh, but, but I also like the Dotson pick, but I also disagree with the second and third round picks. I'm with you. I'm probably right there at C, C plus type range. I mean, I didn't, I didn't love the draft. Like some people are, are kind of showering this team with praise. I, I think there were, there still are a lot of question marks on that secondary, like we, like you already said. And uh, so I, I echo basically everything you were talking about. Um, and hey, even uh, even you know, the I, Eagles I, getting AJ AJ Brown now and Devontae <laughs> Smith. Yeah, uh, you, you got to have guys that are gonna guard them. <laughs> like yeah, you got to have some strength back there, and they really don't. So. 
I don't know. There's a lot of question marks. I mean, yeah, we may be good up front in the trenches, but we're right. <laughs> we're going to get burned on the outside. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, we talk about this and more with Michael Phillips. So, uh, go ahead and listen in here again. Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Hello and welcome back to the D.C. Crossover. A little special interview here as we are talking commanders on this segment. And let's bring in Michael Phillips from Richmond Times-Dispatch. You can follow Michael on Twitter at MichaelPRTD. We are breaking things down of this most recent draft here for the commanders. A lot to talk about here. Um, but, Michael, let's start. Before we dive into the individual picks, we, we, have, we want to get some thoughts on that. Uh, going into the draft... Were, what were your positions that you kind of figured this is where this team really needs to concentrate in finding talent or building out these these types of positions? What were some of the, the ones at the top of your list? Yeah, I think the two we had circled were defensive back and wide receiver coming in. And and so certainly hard to fault that, that you leave with, you know, viable option at both positions. I had thought if they turned in the card at 11, it was going to be for a cornerback or a safety. And then at about pick five, I realized that is not what was going to happen. Uh, you know, Kyle Hamilton slid, but the rest of them didn't. Um, you, you know, but that said, I really like the outcome of trading down and getting more picks. Um, you know, I, I know they didn't get that superstar talent that's up there at the very top of the board, but I don't think they gave up a lot. Uh, and I think the net was they got a lot. So I, I think the trade down is, is probably, uh, you know, as close to a universal consensus as you can get. You know, the funny thing, Michael, that I've been hearing over the last couple of days is that, you know what, they didn't get enough. They didn't get like, is anyone ever happy when you <laughs> trade back? Now, you look at the Patriots, and, and I've been thinking about this for the last week or so, and I don't understand when people don't trade back enough because the Patriots, even though <laughs> this year is an exception because they, <laughs> they, they apparently didn't have the, the best draft, according to a lot of people. Uh, but when you're looking at the Patriots, they get so many picks. And if you think about it, the more you roll the dice on people, the more, I mean, the more percentage you're going to have to hit, hit on somebody. So I just don't understand that people are never going to be happy. Did you, were, were you happy that they actually traded back and, and they actually got some more, uh, you know, capital and hey, hey, we only traded back five spots. We still got a guy that's going to start on the football team. So what do you think? about how much they got back in the sense. Yeah, you know, I, I think it was more about what happened between 11 and 16. I got the sense, you know, so, so at eight, right. Drake London goes off the board. Um, you know, that's the guy, you know, it, that would have been the guy. Uh, but, you know, that, that kind of resets everything there. It, um, you know, so Drake's gone. And then, you know, you, it's 11, you trade back. And I got the sense that everybody's like, yeah, let's trade back. That's good. But then Olave goes, Kyle Hamilton goes, no, those, those were all the guys we wanted. How did you back? Now we don't get the guy we wanted. Yeah. Um, but look, if they turned in the card at 11, half the people would have been mad anyway because they were either going to go Hamilton or receiver. And, you know, that was a 50-50 split anyway. I I'm with you. Look, this was, you know, even in it, not even just talking about the first pick, but in its totality, this was a high floor, low ceiling draft. Right. And that is not exciting. Um, you know, so we can just set that aside right now. People do not get excited by that, but it is how you build functional football teams that win games. They, they, they didn't shoot for the Super Bowl. They, they shot for a playoff appearance, and I think that's what they want to be this year. 
right? I mean, it's it's just fascinating when you see someone to go out there and just say like, well, you know, because I had someone say to me today that's a Giants fan, I don't think you got enough back. I'm like, dude, just enjoy your top, you know, seven <laughs> picks and just just get out of my face. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, looking at our first round pick in Dotson, now for some reason, I think that he had a lot of great stats, a lot of great highlights. I think the best stat is the drop catching. Uh, I mean, he barely didn't drop any any footballs at all, all last season. And I think that a lot of people are just kind of, I don't know if they're ragging on the commanders just because it's the commanders and the dysfunction sometimes that you hear all the time. I, I, I think that some people just are kind of overlooking Dotson and how well he played last year in his career in general. Uh, I've heard recently uh, Trace McSorley said, you know, a ton of great things at Penn State when he was a senior at Penn State and that we have this guy that's going to be a great player and stuff like that. And he was talking about Dotson. That was years ago. So what are your thoughts on Dotson? Because, yes, he wasn't like, you know, Garrett Wilson type and all that kind of stuff where everyone was like, that guy's going to go one of the top two wide receivers taken. What are your thoughts on him? Because obviously we've been talking about getting a complimentary, complimentary wide receiver to Terry McLaurin. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, look, they're paying for the past year because, you know, last year – they take Jamin Davis, and, and yeah, I'm doing the rounds after because what did you think of the Jamin Davis pick? I said, look, I don't know. People say it's a reach, but if there's anybody in the world I trust to scout a linebacker, it's the guy who won a Super Bowl as a linebacker, <laughs> yeah. coached linebackers, coach Luke Keekley, coach Thomas Davis. Like mm -hmm. that is the guy I trust to evaluate linebackers. And so now I sit here 12 months later, um, a humbled man, because uh, it turns <laughs> out Ron was not the right person to evaluate right. linebackers. And now it didn't, it didn't work. Um, it, it was a miss. Um, and, and so, you know, it's hard to write, you know, now you say like, oh, who's Ron to, to reach and, and go against the consensus. I mean, look, we don't know how this is going to go, but I, I do think he got exactly what he was looking for. I think he was looking for a guy who can line up opposite Terry, take some focus off the defense. This kid runs really good routes. I mean, that's the thing that just jumps out to you when you're watching the tape. Chris Bratz has a great sense of separation, getting it. Um, and, and, you know, he makes those contested catches. He's going to make everybody else better. If you can get him, McLaurin, Samuel, Logan Thomas, Antonio Gibson out on the field all at once, you got five guys who can do something with the football in space. It's going to be, you know, that that's Big 12 style, man. Like, you know, spread out the field. You got five guys that can do whatever you want. That's impressive. Now, you still got to protect the quarterback. That's where the O-line comes in. But if you can get that many playmakers on the field at once, on paper, I think that's really good. Is the main knock against Dotson just the size the size issue as far as 5'11", and was he 178 or something like that? Is that is that what you're kind of seeing as well as, like, the, the, the one negative or drawback is you see some pretty – bigger receivers taken in this draft and then you got Dotson who's on the smaller end he he's about the, as tall as Mike and I yeah Ron didn't <laughs> Ron didn't do himself any favors in the the post-draft press conference he said he's like he's like a Deshaun Jackson type and uh, you know what, what he meant was he's a guy who can get downfield catch a long pass yeah, yeah. but what we all heard was that dude gets hurt a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like, we, we got a history there. We remember that. Um, the, that That is definitely going to be. And, and then, you know, look, he wasn't one of the big four coming into the draft that everybody's hyping up. I, you know, I could be wrong because I would have said this about McLaurin a few years ago. I don't see any way he becomes a number one in the NFL. Like, I, right. I, to, me, his, to me, he's going to hit his ceiling here this year, which is really good number two. Um, so I don't know that, that that's 
the world's best value proposition, but I, I think it's exactly what you need at this point in time, because goodness, we are all so tired of Terry being underutilized because there's just nothing else out there. And, you know, if nothing else, this is a huge solid to Terry because man, we need to see that kid just explode one season, show everybody what he's got. And he hasn't been able to do it so far. Right. Moving on to the Mathis pick. Uh, so this is one that, you know, it seems to be causing some, some, conversation <laughs> to say the least yeah. on Twitter. Uh, and a lot of the conversation seems to be around, you know, was this kind of a, a scared pick because what you're seeing with Deron Payne entering the final year of his deal uh, and obviously losing Ionitis and, and settle and uh, just another Alabama DT that we just keep, uh, they're just funneling into this program. It seems like, um, you know, I guess one of the, the thoughts you, that, that people have been having is, if you had just been able to keep, you know, Settle or Ionitis or one of those, then maybe you could have used this pick on a different position. Instead, you got to try to fill that gap. Uh, it seems like a team captain guy, good chemistry guy. There's a lot to like, I feel like, when it comes to Mathis. Um, but what are your thoughts on the pick as a whole? Do you, do you kind of see both sides of it, or, or what are what are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'd agree with that assessment. I mean, Ron Ron put out the fire. But I, I think he started it too. Um, yeah. So you know, you only, you only get partial credit for that. If knowing how this was all going to go down, I'd sure rather have Tim settle, honestly, than you know this whole thing. And that's to take nothing away from Federer, and he's obviously a beast and is going to be very good. And the track record of these Alabama kids speaks for itself. But um, yeah, you know, just just felt like they created a problem, then solved the problem, and now are patting themselves on the back, you know, for solving the problem. Well, yeah. well hang on a second. <laughs> You created the problem too. You only get partial credit um, for what it is. It's it's a fine pick. Um, you know, just I look at this defensive line, which is now four first round picks. Fedarian Mathis, second round pick, and then I look at the secondary, where I think you're really just fingers crossed at this point that St. Jude is going to come through in year two. And I just thought, like, man, what a big discrepancy. And you know. And I, this is just the facts of what it is. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch those guys up front work. And also, if anything goes wrong on the back end, it's going to be brutal to watch. Um, so yep. it, it feels a little imbalanced, if nothing else. I, I honestly was very confused because I was in Pittsburgh this past weekend. And, you know, they were all, you know, pumped up about Kenny Pickett and everything like that. So I saw their excitement. And then all of a sudden, the second round of the draft came, and I was like, man, I'm really pumped to see what guy in the secondary they're going to get. And all of a sudden, they're like, all right, Alabama, yo, choo-choo, down the tracks, here we go. I'm like, what are we What are we doing here? Like, I mean, it's like, do you, do you know that we need some second? So, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, decide for them and say, like, you guys are completely wrong and this and that. But I just think that when you're looking at even the Brian Robinson pick, I'm a little confused because, yes, yes, he's a totally different back than Antonio Gibson. He's a more of a bruiser in between the tackles, different things like that. But, again, there were other guys that are on the board that could easily help this secondary. And, you know, it's not like every day you're going to come across a cam curl that's going to be picked in the hundredth round, it feels like, and all of a sudden go out there and be a great starter. So I'm just confused on the pick and also – the later picks, like I said, with Brian Robinson and so on and so forth, where they didn't really address the secondary until way too late. And I think that like the train left the tracks at that point where now you're just getting guys that are probably going to be more so special teamers, if not, might not even make the team at some point uh, in the future. So 
what are your kind of thoughts on the remaining picks after the Mathis pick? Because some of them had some question marks behind them. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Percy Butler, who, what was the first thing everybody said about? Oh, that kid's a beast on special teams. Like, yeah. that's not exactly what you really love to hear. Like, that is great. <laughs> special teams are important. Uh, but I think we all see it's the same way. So, you know, going, coming out of the draft, I have no, like, urgent concerns about any position except the secondary. So, you know, you look at it, they're good at receiver. They're good on the offensive line, I think. Like, you know, they're, Look, you lost Sheriff. It's not great, but I think they're good on the offensive line. Right. You got right. your guy at quarterback. That's fine. Running back, Robbins is gonna gonna do well. I I actually like the Robinson pick. I think there's good value there, and I think having a guy who's not gonna fumble is really big, especially some of those Antonio Gibson fumble. I love Antonio. Gibson. Some yeah. of those fumbles though were deep in their own territory. You oh know, yeah. Hey, let's gain four yards, get Tressway some room, flip the field. And then he fumbles it all of a sudden. It's just the other way for seven. Like right. De- Brian Robinson will immediately pay dividends in that situation. If he saves you seven, I don't know. I like the pick. I think it was worth it. You look at the defense, obviously the line's great. I think they're just de-emphasizing the linebacker position entirely. You know, you look at what they did late last year, five on the line a lot of times and certainly you know, by, by taking Mathis, they're, they're tipping their hand. They're probably going to keep doing that at some point. You got five in the secondary a lot of the time uh, with that Buffalo nickel position. That everybody loves to talk about that's, <laughs> that's 10, um, you know, so you, you're going to have two linebackers on the field. Most plays one linebacker on the field, potentially someplace that that's your answer to not having, you know, a great linebacker. You got, if Jamin comes along a little better and you got Cole Holcomb and that, you know, that's your linebacking core, but, but that all, counts on having a strong secondary and, and look I know you can't draft every position every time that's you know that, that's part of the fun of the draft is you have to prioritize but I join you in that concern that this secondary as constructed right now does not appear to be good enough to hang with the rest of the unit yeah I was a little a little shaken up uh that day to say the <laughs> least I'm not gonna lie because I was just so pumped up to see you know some analysis on a corner or, or whatever it may be yeah. Uh, but it uh, didn't fall our way. But overall, you know, it's not a terrible draft. And I mean, like you said, the, go ahead. The, the, go ahead. Yeah, I think Mathis is the pick you circle to say that that was the spot to do it in. Because I do like the Robinson pick in the value. I think Percy Butler, you know, he is in the secondary, but it's round four. You're going to get what you get. Nobody's arguing with Sam Howell, the value there. Um, and then you, you know, run down the board like you just you throwing darts in the seventh round. Those guys seem like they'll be fine. We'll see what they turn into. So yeah. I think it's the number two that you really circle. So Sam, Sam Howell, you mentioned him real quick. Uh, you know, I'm surprised, honestly, that he fell that far down. I mean, this year was not the quarterback year. Let's be honest here. I mean, next year is going to be loaded with some quarterbacks and stuff like that. But I, I'm just looking at the Sam Howell pick. And the funny thing was, I actually called it because you know, a, a buddy of mine was like sitting there saying, man, who do you think the commanders are going to take in the fifth round? First of all, I was like, well, who cares? Uh, but then at the same time, I was like, don't be surprised. Sam Howell might, might be the pick. And he actually got picked. And I was surprised by that. Uh, but looking at it, obviously we have Carson, who's going to be the starter this year. That's a, that's a given. And they also have that out for next year. But looking at Sam Howell, in your opinion, now I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but in your opinion, do you think if he progresses somehow a ton this year, do you think that he could possibly slide into that role if Carson does not perform that well and we kind of get out of that contract? I think that's the fun of the pick. The fun yeah. of the pick is you get a no risk opportunity to explore that because, you know, look, what have we learned from drafting quarterbacks? Many of them are busts. Uh, that is the way it works. But if, if this is a bust, you lost nothing. Like we're talking about like 
think about Dwayne, Robert. I mean, those guys, when you miss on that, it sets the franchise back. When they, when Robert injured himself the second time and it was clear he wasn't coming back to form, you lost three first round picks, which you count on to be decade long starters. You know, you lost 30 years of production. Dwayne, when you lose Dwayne, you know, that that was a first round pick that could have been, you know, a, a very impactful player on the field. Um, you know, so, so when you miss on those first rounders, there's so much pressure behind it. If they miss on a fifth round pick, whatever, if Cole Turner doesn't pan out, nobody's going to be playing on. How dare you take Cole Turner there? You know, same with Sam Howell. I, I think that's the fun of the pick is it, it's a low risk way to, to, you know, get the kid in the building, kick the tires on him for a year. I think I'll, I'll sidetrack us in, into Carson. Cause I think what's fascinating is the, I think he'll be evaluated on things other than record at the end of the year, because I think this is a team that look, they won seven with Taylor Heineke and a month of COVID on the roster. And they have an easier schedule this year. I think you start from the assumption they're going to nine. And I think playoffs is certainly within reach, you know, just, just on easier schedule, not getting the whole, having the whole team get COVID and, and, you know, upgrade a quarterback because, because Wentz is of course better than Heineke, Um, you know, so they could make the playoffs. And you could still see enough from Hal and not enough from Carson to pull the trigger. And that, that would set the world on fire. But I, I, I honestly think, I mean, that, that's where we're coming in here and, and starting this from is no risk obligation on Hal. And we'll see what happens with Carson. Hey, I think Deami Brown is actually pretty happy too. Cause he's like, man, maybe, maybe I can get off the milk carton and uh, actually show something. Yeah. <laughs> no, now I'm waiting me... for Kim Sims to jump off that milk carton too. Yeah. Four years. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, we're here with Michael Phillips, Richmond times dispatch. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Michael P R T D before we wrap up here, got two final questions for you. One is more important than the other, but first up, I would, I would like to know, uh, you know, the big thing with drafts, of course, is the grade. What's the grade? What's the grade? What's the grade? And I am curious, uh, what your, what your grade that you would give the commander's draft here. And I'm seeing a lot of, of positivity out there, which is great when it comes to the commanders. Cause obviously we've seen, uh, the various iterations of this team, there, there never seems to be positivity, uh, going towards this team, but from this, from the national media, there's, I see a lot of B pluses, A minus A's, things like that. So I want to know your grade. And then I also want to know. Uh, the less important question is your draft night snack of choice. This is a food-based show. We do a lot of food talk on it. And <laughs> I would love to know, especially for those that first night and then probably the second day drafting as well, what your go-to is where you've got the TV up. I'm sure you're you know, shooting out tweets and writing articles and things like that. But you got to have a go-to snack for draft night. So grade and snack. All right. I'm going to jump into that in a second because we're going to have to go deep there, obviously. Sure. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm going to give them a, a, I think it's a solid B because I think they were shooting for a solid B. You know, the, the A teams are the teams that take the, the, the razzle dazzle guys, you know, who, who could be superstars. They, they weren't gunning for that. They were gunning for a B. They were gunning for solid role players who are going to jump right in and play. To me, the trade back was an A. That was a big win. I dinged them for the second round pick of Mathis. I, I, you know, as, as we mentioned, I just, I think that was an opportunity to address some, some more pressing needs at the time, um, you know, and, and then you get value out of Sam Howell. To me, it, it, it's a solid B. I, I think you leave it feeling good while acknowledging like, you didn't, you didn't make the headlines, you know, no, nobody nationally is going to be like Washington, man, the boy, they crushed it. Like it, you just, you, you, <laughs> did well. you did, you did quiet. You did well. Um, so we were, I was up in, up in Ashburn, um, you know, with the other beat writers and on Thursday night, we had uh, Paisano's pizza 
Okay. And on Friday night, we got Chick-fil-A, the big tray of nuggets Ooh. and some sandwiches and wraps. Solid, and, solid. and we had just a, a knockdown argument about which was the better play. Because I, I think, look, we all agree Chick-fil-A, crazy high ceiling. I mean, like, right. look, they do one thing, they do it very well. Mm-hmm. That's, a great, that's a great play. Paisanos, you got the pizza, the wings, the salad. I mean, certainly a lot across the board. My thought is, I'm there for seven hours, you know, and Friday we're there for like 10 hours. <laughs> I want something that's going to hold up late in the day. And that's, that's not nuggets. Like the, the nuggets, man, everybody's like, oh, nuggets is great. Like at six o'clock, at 11 o'clock, like that's a gross plate of nuggets. Um, pizza, <laughs> man, pizza hang out all weekend. Pizza will be there for you when you need it. So I, oh, 100%. you know, you know the, the pizza was there for me when I needed it. And I appreciate that. We, we went with like a sandwich spread. I want to say it was Jersey Mike's maybe on the third day. Uh, you know, just some deli sandwiches. You could get a long day. Uh, no, no, sp- no spend, sp- no expense spare there at Jersey Mike's. It's like the cheapest <laughs> sandwich out there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, you know, that's a fifth round pick for you. Like, you know, just you know, there, <laughs> right. there's no, that, that ain't making the Pro Bowl. But hey, you, sometimes you just need a ham sandwich to keep making it through the day. So it's solid. It's solid. That, that's where you're at. So it's a win. Um, I, I am a Mountain Dew drinker. Um, I don't drink coffee. I drink Mountain Dew. So I'm, I'm kind of, nice. uh, yeah, weirdo to begin with. But um, now I, I pounded a few of those, especially Friday night. <laughs> yeah, we did, uh, during COVID, we did a chicken sandwich tournament. You know, of course, trying all the different chicken sandwiches. And I believe it came down to Chick-fil-A and Popeye's, right, Mike? And I think Popeye's course, yeah. ended up taking it. But Chick-fil-A is always going to be in the mix because they're just consistently some of the best in the game for sure you know you know what you're getting there for i invite you all to come to richmond uh lily pearl is the restaurant here downtown a couple of blocks from rtd world headquarters they actually make the best chicken sandwich in the world you know it's not, it's just wow. a one-off though it's just a restaurant so right you right know, they, well, they, you can do that better than than a chain but boy sure yeah. sure so you gotta come to you gotta come to herndon and get woo boy woo boy hot chicken woo in boy? herndon yeah woo boy okay. in herndon right. it's uh it's been around for about four years now. It's made a bunch of lists, you know, Washington Post lists and things like that. It's their uh, Nashville hot chicken sandwich. So you got the coleslaw, you got the pickles and all that stuff. It's it's solid. It's solid. I'm, I'm on it. I'll give, I'll give you one more story before we bounce because we were in Nashville. We went to Hattie B's, which has the oh, yeah. Yeah, know, yeah, I know, yeah. chicken oh, places over there with uh, David Aldridge, who writes for the athletic yeah, yeah. team. And um, the waiter comes around. He goes, oh, I know you, NBA on TNT. You know, what are you doing here? You should be down in Memphis. You know, that's where the <laughs> team is. And then David Aldridge is like, no, no, I, I cover, you know, the, the Redskins now. You know, I'm here for the football game. Yeah. Go, no, no, you're NBA on TNT. I know who you are. <laughs> Now, when I was in when I was in Nashville, I went to Big Shakes. That's what it was called. And it had like I think they're really good friends. Like the owner's really good friends with uh, with Damon from Shark Tank. So he mm-hmm. was like plastered all over the walls. And I was like, man, you're you're sticking to that one guy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all about you know. the hot chicken challenge, man. We we Woo Boys got one of the hottest chicken sandwiches I've ever had, but it's it's darn good, that's for sure. <laughs> so you come up here, try that. We'll go down to Richmond and try try that place for sure. Game on. Uh, well, Michael, we appreciate you uh, joining us uh, this evening. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Michael P R T D. Any articles people should be looking out for? Uh, anything in the works that you're uh, working on right now for Richmond Times Dispatch? Nah, you know, we'll wrap up the draft. Friday is the rookie practice, the rookie mini camp. Um, and the undrafted guys come through. So it's always fun to see who they bring in. Um, so I, I would imagine that'd be a fun day out of the park. All righty. Well, perfect. Thanks for, thanks for hopping on with us. And again, thanks, you can read them at the Richmond times dispatch. Thanks, Michael. Take care guys.
All right. Thanks again to Michael for hopping on the show. And uh, we will move on to the ice. The Washington Capitals. All right. We're finally here. Postseason hockey as the second wild card Washington Capitals take on the Florida Panthers, the President's Trophy winning Florida Panthers. Uh, the first time in their history, in the team's history, um, 58 wins and 122 points. They are trying to become the first number one overall seed to also win the Stanley Cup since the Blackhawks back in 2013, uh, which is kind of wild to think about there, too. Um, so, uh, obviously, a huge series here for the Caps. I think the, uh, the odds makers are obviously in the Panthers' favor, but... Uh, from the cap side of things, Mike, one thing to really look out to is from March 1st to April 23rd, this team is 16-5-2. and two. And one of the biggest things when it comes to hockey, and we talk about this a lot, is momentum, especially heading into the postseason, is are you hot? Do you have some momentum to work with? Uh, because sometimes it's not necessarily about what team has the most points in the regular season. It's about what team's the hottest heading into the playoffs. And uh, the Caps are a relatively hot team. Uh, so I guess right off the bat, what percentage chance do you give this Caps team beating the Florida Panthers in this series? I'm going to go with a 35% chance. Now, hockey is a different animal. Hockey is not like playing in baseball where you know you can – change up your scheme like the like the Nats did a few years ago where you know they had Patrick Corbin coming out of the uh, the bullpen and different things like that. It's very difficult to change your scheme that much because of the sole fact that you know when you're looking at hockey the players change so much on the ice that it's yeah. not like oh, you know we can have OB out there for you know two and a half periods and you know it'll be all right. Like no, it's not like that. You can't just play your best players longer because that's not how it works in hockey. Um but I'm going to give him, like I said, I'm going to give him a 35% chance. I don't think it's going to be a 50-50 because of the sole fact that, as you're alluding to, the Florida Panthers just not too long ago won like 13 games in a row. Uh, you know, about two weeks ago, they started that, that streak, and it, it's been going on like crazy. Um, but when you're looking at this team, uh, I just think, you know, and you can go back and check out uh, the Andrew Gillis interview, interview as well, and we both alluded to it that really when you're looking at the Florida Panthers – you know, they don't have that much experience when it comes to the playoffs. We right. do. We have yep. TJ Oshie, Alexander Ovechkin, Nicholas Backstrom, Mantha, not so much with the Detroit Red Wings, but at the same time, you still have guys that are out there that are veterans that know how to play playoff hockey. And playoff hockey is more so a chess game. And I've said it millions of times over the last couple of weeks and people are asking me, there's three keys for me to win a playoff series. You have to have the, the the coaching ability to change on the fly. Coach Laviolette, very 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 well known coach that has been to the Stanley Cup. I don't I if I'm not sure if he won it or not. I believe he did, but I'm not sure if he did because uh, it was it was a while back and I'm I'm going mind blank right now. Long day at work. <laughs> but then you have his ability to change up a scheme, his ability to catch the Panthers off off, off their game. But also, you have to have a goalie that's going to do something. That's the biggest factor in this particular instance. Who the hell is going to be playing goalie? We don't know yet. I talked to Andrew Gillis once again, and Andrew Gillis said he doesn't even know until that first goalie comes out of the tunnel. He doesn't know. They, they're keeping it close to the vest, and that's how it is. 
And the last one I have is you got to score goals when they're available. You can't go out there and ha- as we did uh, for, for years when we won President's Trophies and everything like that under Bruce Boudreaux, we were scoring five goals a game in the regular season, and all of a sudden we'd score 1.2 goals per game in the playoffs because we'd shoot 47 times because everyone was like, come on, shoot, 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 because during the playoffs, well, it's different. They play different schemes. And then and in the regular season, all the Caps homers were like, why aren't we scoring as many goals as we did before? Why don't we – like, so everyone – all the pressure kept going, and everyone kept shooting as stupid shots, like from the blue line. Right. Like no screens, no nothing. So – I just think those three factors have to come into play in this. And when you're looking at how this team has played, yes, the last three games they kind of shifted in, but you're looking at the Panthers after that that win streak was snapped. I mean, they've had two out of the last four games where they've gotten 18 goals against Montreal and against Tampa Bay. Now, I'm not sitting there saying like, oh, yeah, you know, they they you know were trying so hard in those games, but still – Ten goals and eight goals—a lot of goals to give up. It is so that might—that's not a great taste in your mouth when you're looking at that. But I just think a 35% chance is is good enough because somehow, some way, they can co- possibly come out here and, and and steal a couple games in the first three, and the series might be turned around. Coach Love did win it in 2005, 2006 with the Preds, uh, with Carolina. Carolina, okay. Carolina, they beat Edmonton. For some reason, Stanley I think Cup. he went to the Stanley Cup with the Preds. Am I uh, with the Flyers, he lost in the Stanley Cup Finals. He lost with Nashville in 2016. Lost okay. in the Stanley Cup Finals to Pittsburgh. That's so. hey, that's that's three times though. Been in the Stanley yeah. Cup Final three times with th- with three different teams. That's I a mean, hell. That's a hell of a resume. And here's where I tell you right now that I'm taking the Caps in this series in seven. I think I I I know that we were disappointed, especially last year at the playoffs. Um, when we were doing the post game shows and things like that, and you know, we thought, hey, this team should go deeper than they did. But I'll tell you, I, I, I just love experience in this in this situation. I really yeah. do. I really do. Uh, obviously, Ovi, everything hinges on him. I mean, if Ovi is hurt or banged up, or let's say he plays, but he's just not a hundred percent. He's at operating at like fifty percent. Then it's not going to look so good for your boy, but I will put my money where my mouth is, and I will definitely bet on the Caps to win this series uh, in seven. That's my prediction. It's going to go seven, um, and the Caps. You going to bet on the exact one? You going to bet on the exact? The exact one. Yeah, that's going to be awesome because I bet that that's going to be a plus payout though. Oh yeah, I, I know. Trust I me. Might, I might. I might. I might have to take a drink tomorrow and deposit more money so I can bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I mean look, like I'm not trying to be the ridiculous homer. All I'm saying is I really love experience here. I know Carolina's great, but the Caps have been pretty darn good and under the radar of Florida. Bit. Florida. I mean, sorry, yeah, jeez. Uh I was uh, thinking of some of these other teams. Right, um right. you know, they've been very under the radar here uh and and have had some pretty good success here. Obviously, the goalie situation is not great. I know you talked about it with Andrew, um but I think this team is going to pull it together. I really do. I think I love I love the experience with the coaching staff. I love the experience with, obviously, the veterans on this team. Um, I, I, I really like being the underdog heading into this series, too. It's a great place to be because you got nothing to lose. If the Caps lose this series, nobody's going to bat an eye. They'd say, yeah, of yeah. course they lost this series. So Florida's great. If 
But I'm telling you, they, I'm, I'm picking them. I'm, I'm putting the money where my mouth is. I'm I, might, I, I might have to do it, too, or at least hedge it and we'll do Florida in seven or something like that. But Go I, for I, it. I think I, I probably bet on the caps. I screw it. Um, <laughs> but overall, I think that when you're looking at this series, just like you said, I, I've had a couple people who talked to me over the last couple of days, and they've been saying, like, especially, you know, I was in Pittsburgh. So I had some people in Pittsburgh saying, like, oh, you're from D.C. You're a caps fan, huh? aren't you? <laughs> we hate them. Um, you know, I was like, all right, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, but I think that when I was talking to them about this, the, the biggest difference is when you're looking at this team, the East is so much more powerful right now than when, than the West is now, yeah. obviously Colorado might be, might possibly be the best team in the entire, uh, uh league sure. right now. Sure. Now, not maybe not points wise, but when you're looking at it, are we, ha- everyone had a hundred points in the playoffs right now for the East, like two weeks ago. Like it, it, people were just you know saying, well, Caps can't catch the the Bruins because they've won four straight, you know this and that, and they, and they kept saying you know all these different things, and the Caps won three straight, but they didn't gain any position. So I just think the East is up in the air right now. You know yeah. the Pens Rangers is going to be a really great series. Um, you know you're looking at obviously this series as well. You got Boston against Carolina, so you know it's going to be some fun series to watch because of the sole fact that all these teams have players that can turn the tide of a series. Uh, you know, and a lot of the teams, I mean, the one thing that, uh, you know, is going to be detrimental for the, the, the Pens, I think, is to Tristan Jari, who had a great season, isn't starting the playoffs right now. He's hurt. Uh, but we'll see his update a little bit later. But I just think that, you know, when you're looking at this series in particular, a lot of the team stats are very, very similar. I mean, you're looking at uh, a power play percentage. They're literally less than 1% difference. Caps are uh, 80%. Uh, the Panthers are 79.5. Uh, you're also looking at uh, certain certain things with shots against per game. Uh, one shot uh, against per game. Uh, shots for, obviously, Florida has a little bit more. But goals against per game, 2.95 each. So that's really similar. Yes, yeah. the Florida Panthers had like a million goals uh, in the plus side. Uh, but they did have some of those games where, you know, it was a lot more uh, lopsided than, than one would like. But I just think that the biggest thing you might also look in this series is the, the, uh, the excuse me, the, um, the uh, yeah, the power play percentage. I, I said that backwards. The, the percentage I said earlier was the PK percentage. Uh, the power play percentage uh, is, is not as great as the Caps usually are. The power play percentage for Florida right now is 24.4. So almost one out of every four for the Panthers, and only 18.8. That's the biggest difference uh, in all the team stats right now between these two. But again, the Panthers, not a lot of experience, as we mentioned, and they also, you know, they're not really consistent. So I'm kind of glad that we didn't play the Hurricanes, even though we had a little bit more, uh, uh, I guess you could say, success against them this season. But the Panthers, all three of the games we played them, I mean, neck and neck. I mean, yeah. it, it was, they were all neck and neck. They were high scoring games and we went out there and, and, and we, you know, we were trading blows back and forth, but I just don't think that when you're looking at the playoffs, you can't try to have those games every single time because number one, you know, if it's coming down to a four, four game, most likely one of our goalies is going to let in a goal. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. and, uh, sure. and it, it, it's, it's definitely going to be, uh, definitely going to be something to watch out for. So I'm hoping that some of the games stay a little bit low scoring and we kind of punch them in the mouth a little bit. Cause we got some bruisers out there. Yeah. I think Tom Wilson, Anthony Mantha, a lot of those guys, TJ Oshie are going to lay the body out on some guys. Yeah. Yeah. I think when it comes to the NHL playoffs, throw out the records, throw out the seedings, it's just a war. Who's, who's yeah. going to win the war. That's what it comes down to in the NHL. So don't count my boys out. Uh, let's hit up the final lap. 
chance to give some uh, quick analysis on some bigger stories in sports. 90 seconds on the clock. Here we go. We'll start with the NBA. Mike, the Bucks, my Giannis Bucks. They were. I have money on them to win the NBA Finals. I put it down, the ticket in at the beginning of the season. They take down Boston in game one, 101-89, and the Warriors beat the Grizzlies by one, 117-116. Wild playoffs so far in the NBA. I want to see that bet slip because I want to see what the money was because that has to be a pretty penny if you did it preseason. So that's going to be pretty nice because they were, yeah. they, were, they were underdogs in that one. They were. They were. And uh, they, they're looking pretty solid. Uh, big news here locally as Justin Kutcher steps down as play-by-play man for the Wizards. And Chris Miller, longtime sideline guy, uh, will be taking over play-by-play duties for the Wizards, Mike. Well, we all like Chris Miller. And I think Chris yeah. Miller is going to be a doing uh, going to do a great job. He's been a sideline guy for a very long time. And honestly, I don't know if Drew Gooden's going to stay there as well. But I, I believe right now they haven't said anything about him. But, you know, the other – the only better – uh, position that someone would take uh, would be Steve Buckhans. Buck, if Buck came back, that'd be great. Ooh. But we do like Chris Miller. That, that's, yeah. that's definitely a good take. We're fine with this one. I think. I think he's fine. earned the respect because he's been around forever uh, right. covering this team. So, and the players like him too. So, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm happy with this. We're actually happy for once. Uh, <laughs> and then my last one here. Any other non-commanders surprises in the draft, Mike? That caught your eye on draft night. <sighs> you know what? How well the Jets drafted. I loved their draft. I mean, they had three number ones. Yes, obviously, you trade away a lot of pieces or whatever. You do you do what you got to do to get those picks. But they had two number ones. They traded back. They were so aggressive because they were like, yeah. we're going to go get this guy. We want this guy. We want this guy. Then they just did whatever they wanted to do. And they went out there got Garrett Wilson. They went out there and got Sauce Gardner. I mean, and then they got uh, uh, Jermaine Johnson, the last chance you star. Uh, out of Florida right, State. Right. So they had three number one picks that are everyone said they were going to be hits. And Sauce Gardner is, is, a, is a lengthy, really good corner out of Cincinnati. And obviously Garrett Wilson, which uh, arguably was one of the top two wide receivers in this draft. Mm-hmm. They got them both in the top ten. I mean, they, they did a very good job. And they also traded up to get Brees Hall which is another – that's, that's going to be their, their bell cow for the next five seasons, hopefully. So that I'm surprised. The Jets, I think, had a great draft. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. They that's got how you, done. That's how, you, that's how you spell it. Let's uh, – isn't that, isn't that a chant they do? Yeah. That, uh, Jets J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, And then Jets. the Nats – but then the Nats fans, like, took over that yeah, where they go. It. The N-A-T-S. Yeah, so stupid. Uh, it's <laughs> trivia time. We're just going to throw some trivia questions at each other here. A D.C.-related one and a Detroit sports-related one. Uh, I will go first for this one. And again, when I ask these ones to Mike, he's not a Detroit sports fan, so it doesn't really matter if he gets them right or wrong. It's more embarrassing if I get a, a D.C. question wrong. Um, but this one here, Mike, all right, you should be able to get this. What Kalamazoo Central High School shortstop was offered a scholarship by Michigan, but went pro after being drafted by the New York Yankees. Okay, you got to say that. And, one more and time. you know this guy. You know this. He's not like an unknown guy. All right, I'll say it again. Thanks. What Kalamazoo Central High School shortstop was offered a scholarship by Michigan, the University of Michigan, but he decided to go pro after being drafted by the New York Yankees. Recent. Like I'd it, say like after 2000. Uh, no, earlier than that. My guess would be he was probably like not that much earlier. I, I, my guess is he was drafted in the 90s. Drafted by the Yankees. 
by the New York okay. Yankees. Okay, That's what they say. You got the oldest oldest guy to do the play-by-play announcing. Um, so when he got drafted by the Yankees, did he start on the Yankees when he was younger? Is that your question? Yeah. Like, like uh, my question is, what were the, the the first two teams that he was on? He was on the Yankees his entire career. Oh, oh, is it is it is it Jeter? <laughs> yeah, it's Jeter. Okay, you should have said that. Yeah, yeah, it's too obvious. I was trying to think. I was thinking. I was like, man, I need to really get a uh... Derek Jeter, <laughs> number two. <laughs> I never understood why that guy says that. Number two, Derek. G- why do I why do I have an accent? Yeah, um, I don't know if he says it like that. <laughs> maybe after a few Jack Daniels. Yeah, very verily. And then yeah. at the end, he's like, number two. Like, we, we heard you the first yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I don't know what that accent was. I don't, I don't know. It was like a Spanish. I don't even know what it was. Okay. So I, I had to speed through this because I forgot to grab one, and I didn't want to take too long. That's all right. right off, off the top of the dome. Here we go. Ooh. Uh, all right. Sorry. Uh, I saw something else. All right. Here we go. How much did our favorite Daniel Snyder pay? For the Redskins in 1999, I'll just—if you give me okay. a range, I'll give you that. Sure. All right. So I mean, I feel like it's in the millions. I don't think it was a bill worth a billion back then. I don't even you it, know. No, it's definitely not the billions. I don't even think was heard of back then. Yes. Yeah, think, yeah, think about this. This, this was after three Super Bowls. The last Super Bowl right, was eight right. years before this. Right. So. Um. I guess my one question. Okay. Is. Is it higher or lower than five hundred million? Higher. Okay. That's you have good. to get All it. Right. You have to get it within within. I would say fifty. Within million. ten million. Oh, ten. Okay, sure. Or do you? Uh, what did you say? Within what? Fifty. <laughs> fifty. Okay. Within fifty million. Eight hundred fifty million. <laughs> I had to sneeze. <laughs> you like answer that so fast. Like you felt, the, you felt that sneeze coming on. Eight hundred. So good. Yep. So I got it. Boom. Yep. Genius. Exactly. That's what they they call me. They call Must me be nice genius. to have eight hundred million. Must be nice to have eight hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I've seen that amount ever. Um, <laughs> let's head into the money line. A chance uh, to give you picks that are probably not going to work. Um, terrible, terrible for me. I mean, five, five and thirteen. You just don't listen to any of my advice or do what I do and, and hedge. Just go, go go against these. Go against these. That's what happened um, to you last week. Fade, fade these picks. Fade these picks. Sorry. Not. Last week you faded your picks. You went one yeah. on one. Better no yeah. one too. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I and no, I'd say these ones this week are not faded. These are these are my actual picks, which is nerve wracking. Um, my lock here. My lock heats. Minus seven and a half over yep. Philly. I think you gotta. I mean, you gotta think with Embiid's injury and all that stuff. Like, it's this is where you go. You go. You go with the Heat uh, in this one, and I feel like, I feel like it's gonna be by this margin. I feel like they the Heat are gonna be able to get it done by you know ten points or something. Um, my dog. I'm gonna say the Mavs plus five and a half versus the Suns. I kind of like that. I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. Sorry, I, I lost my train of thought. I like, I like <laughs> I the like, Mavs man, keeping this one close. This thought I, I process like, here. I like the Mavs keeping this one, this one close. So five and a half, dog against the Suns. So I tried to find the uh, odds for this lock, but either way, I'm going to go for it because I couldn't really sure. find it. Uh, but I'm going to go Real Madrid versus Man City once again over two and a half. The goal or the goal total last week, I said it's going to go way over, and of course it went way over. It went to seven. Uh, yeah, so yeah. that was a crazy game. Madrid just survived just barely. Um, you know, 
without it being a blowout. Uh, so overall, I don't think I was going to say, Hey, you know, take, take Madrid in this one as a dog, but I think Man City is just way overpowered. Uh, so I think it's over two and a half. If it's three and a half, I'll still take the over three and a half as my sure. lock, uh, no matter what. But it was two and a half last week, so I, that's all I could find. Um, and for some reason, they, betting sites don't like to tell you. They just like to give you analysis, and then they're like, "All right, that's my analysis." And they don't, <laughs> they don't, they don't give you like I typed in odds. Um, and uh, my dogs, I'm gonna go with plus two, the Memphis Grizzlies versus the Warriors. Okay. Jordan Poole is a good player and stuff like that, but. Memphis, they can't get down in this series too far because then the Warriors are just going to literally take the this series. This was a close easily. one in yeah. game one. So, yeah, no. It's not yeah, that I, I think it was a one point game. And, uh, but I, I just think, you know, John Morant's going to possibly just go off because he needs help. And right now, you know, the, the players sometimes are helping him, sometimes not. But plus two, Memphis, they got to keep in this series. They can't go down 0 2. So I think they steal one here and uh, stay in the series and uh, even it up at 1 1. Those are our picks. Uh, choose to bet with them or not. Uh, probably go towards Mike's than mine, but hey, I'm hoping for a 2 and a week. That's for sure. Uh, hope you enjoyed our interview with Michael Phillips. Again, you can check out the uh, full interview on the YouTube channel. Um, again, you search DC Crossover on YouTube and find the show there. You can follow us on TikTok. That's DC underscore. Oh, I can change it. I can change it now. Change it. So it may not be that. So I'm not going to give you it. But if you search DC crossover, I'm sure you'll find it Uh, because there's Uh, there's hashtags and stuff, I'm sure. But um, we'll tweet it out. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll tweet it out. You can follow the show on Twitter at the DC crossover and at Cerrone 16 for Mike's account. And uh, yeah, look out for us maybe on the contender app uh, in the near future, hopefully doing some postgame stuff for the caps here in the playoffs. We'll see. Um, And last but not least, Mike. My Sunderland Black Cats on Friday will be playing the first leg of their playoff push to try to get promoted. Sheffield Wednesday, playing them on Friday this week. 145 game. I'm not working at all that afternoon, that's for sure. Um, Number two. Two legs. Two legs. You got to have the most points between those two legs. And uh, Derek Jeter's Spanish announcer, apparently, is in the building. So we will see Numero you guys. Dos. <laughs> Numero dos. We will see you guys next week. This has been another episode of the DC Crossover. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>